0: There's restoration in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. The name above every name. I thank you, Father, according to the Word of God. You have highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We thank you for your lordship. We thank you for your reign in our lives. We thank you that you have washed us clean. You've redeemed us. You've delivered us by your blood. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, greet one another this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, worship. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. to get into the message here in just a moment, but uh, you know, I was reflecting on 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is making a statement here, and it's by the Holy Spirit. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, Nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. None of those people will inherit the kingdom of God. And religion pounds people with this and say, You know what, you're in sin, so you're not going to heaven. You're in sin, you've got this in your life. That's not what the Holy Spirit was saying at all. That's not what the scriptures are saying. The rest of the story as paul harvey used to say is this and such were some of you were everybody say were past tense were such were some of you that's past tense were what i am or what you are is present tense amen and he says you were past tense washed you were past tense sanctified you were past tense justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And because you were washed, because you were cleansed, because you were, amen, sanctified, you have inherited the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for that. We honor you and bless you. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can come before you now in this time where we are learning more of you, learning more of who you are what you are doing in our lives what we have what we can do as a result of our relationship with you we thank you Father God that your word is powerful, it's living, it's alive we thank you that your word is absolute authority and absolute truth in fact we won't even be moved by our feelings, we won't even be moved by our emotions, we won't be moved by our circumstances we'll be steadfast immovable and abounding in truth It doesn't matter even what our own brain may say to us. Sometimes we exalt the authority of your word above everything in our life. Come on church, I said we exalt the authority of your word, not our words. Your word, not our thoughts, not our feelings, not our circumstances. We exalt, Father, your word. That's truly living and walking by faith. We exalt your word above everything everything else and we give you all permission authority to function to move to minister to help to encourage to lift to heal to deliver to bless to strengthen to add to us we yield ourselves to you we yield our members unto you as as instruments of righteousness we thank you that you are working in us to, both to will and to do of your good pleasure it was for your good pleasure that you brought us into christ it was for your good pleasure that you redeemed us from the curse of the law it was for your good pleasure that you washed us that you covered our sin and removed it from us it's for your good pleasure that we have been sanctified we thank you for it we thank you for it we thank you for it in jesus mighty name and everybody said Amen. Well, welcome to New Creation Church. I know that we're streaming now and uh, we welcome those who are streaming with us this morning. We're going to do a quick recap and then we're going to get into the message this morning. We've been talking about the topic Of identity. In the first sermon in this series, we dealt with labels, labels that we uh, put on ourselves, labels that people have put on us, labels that Satan has placed on us. But praise God, we found out that first sermon that God has put a label on us. He said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 62, verse 2, He said, I will give you a new name. It will come from my own mouth. I'll call you out. By a different name. Amen. And he puts the name, the label of son or the label of daughter on us. And we walk, as Pastor Dana said, in newness of life. We walk triumphant and victorious in Christ. Amen. Praise God for the reality of the new birth. Amen. The reality of our being born again. And then the next sermon that we discussed, we, we talked about the two big questions that must be answered in life, the first one is who is God, and then the other is who am I. And it's important that we understand we really can't go too far down this road, down this journey of growth and experiencing God in His kingdom, until we can honestly answer those two major, major questions. I shared a testimony, and I won't get into it. Uh, in depth this morning but basically my first day of my freshman year my literature teacher told us to pull out pencil and paper and write a six page report entitled who am i and i was so freaked out cuz i could not answer that question so i acted out i lashed out and i got kicked out <laughs> i deserved it but i couldn't answer that question i had no idea and i and and now later in life as i walk with the lord i think how, how my life would have been different had I been able to answer that question? Anybody with me on that? We, we might not have zigged when we were supposed to zag. We might not have gone south when we were supposed to head north. It, it could have changed things. But we're not going to dwell on the past. Amen. We're, we're right here today in the present. Our past is washed away. I can't even go back and change what I said a moment ago. It's already out there. It's done. Amen. So we look on, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, we look forward to those things that are out there, we press on toward the prize of the upward call, amen. We just keep moving on and moving on and moving on and then to know actually as a result of our knowing who God is, then we can really discover who we are and it's important for us to know who God is, it's important for us to know who we are. I'm going to quote A.W. Tozer again. I quoted him uh, in that message, but it says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen No human being, no gatherings of people have ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. We have to answer the question, who is God? It only becomes effective when we know who God is. Amen? So worship is pure or its base as the worshiper entertains a high or a low thought For this reason, he says, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. Who is God? Who is he? Who is he to you? Who is he to me? Who is God? He says, in the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do. The most prominent, important fact about human being, about any man, is not what he may say or do at a given time but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. It's not about our actions. It's about is God angry with me and judging me or is God loving and showing mercy and kindness toward me? Is God judging me and condemning me and punishing me and that's why I have this sickness or that's why I have this disease or that's why I have this loss or that's why I got this thing going on or that thing going on or is that the enemy of my soul and God is the one that I look to for where comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. Amen. He says, we tend to, by a secret law of the soul, move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. It's so important that we know. Amen? And then the last sermon that we talked about, we talked about our union with God and the nature of that union. We talked about how it's eternal. It's going to last forever we talked about how it's instant in a moment as soon as we receive Christ we are joined together with him it is eternal it is instant it's invisible people ask me what's it supposed to feel like and when you find that out tell me cuz I don't know I don't think that there's a feeling associated to it you may have a feeling you may not have a feeling and we talked about this I quoted a, a, a author that uh, he kinda likened this whole walk with God as a train and he said that the the beginning our belief or our faith is uh you know our uh, the engine and the coal and the caboose is our feelings and the caboose can come or go it doesn't really affect the fact that the train's heading down the tracks amen when we have feelings about it and there is a feeling cool and we don't cool that doesn't change anything amen so it is eternal it is instant it is invisible and it doesn't necessarily come with a feeling and it is total and complete amen And then we talked about the reality of our union with Christ. It's legal in the eyes of God. It's mystical. It's the spiritual union between our spirit and the spirit of God. And it's moral. It's what causes us to live, to act, to walk, to talk, and to think differently. Amen. So today we're going to continue in this. If we can just get an understanding of who we are, what we are, what we have, what we can do. And even more than that, who we belong to. Amen then that'll change everything about what it is that we're trying to do. And it, it it causes us to have this dignity that we're not just trying to be around here eking out a living until we get to heaven. There's something for us to do. There's something for you to do, to, pre- to press into the kingdom of God and to give away the love and the, the, the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So in this... Uh, teaching this morning i want to talk a little bit about the uh, the things that we share with jesus as a result of our being born again and being joined with him you know there are people who believe that in every single facet and every single aspect of our walk with god and who jesus is totally uh, we are the same and we're equal and that can't work because you and i aren't god amen It it, it can't work because of how you acted yesterday at Kerwood. Thank God. Amen. We need a perfect God who delivers us perfectly. Amen. And a perfect Savior who never died. He, He, excuse me, sinned. He was tried like we were tried. And He was tested like we are tested. But He didn't fail the test. Amen. And so it's understandable for us to kind of where does that separate, and how does it break up? So we have to look at the human nature of Jesus. Jesus is 100% human being, and he is 100% God. He is an absolute walking contradiction of terms. You can't be more than one thing 100%, but he's both 100 fully man and fully God. Every single aspect of Jesus' human nature, you and I have the same rewards We have the same status. We have the same possession. We have the same standing. We have the same glory. Jesus said that if you suffer, well, we suffered. We were crucified with him. If you suffer, then you'll also be revealed in glory. So we have this same exact position, same exact possession, same exact seating as the human nature of Jesus. Amen. Not the the deity, because we're not God, but in the humanity. And so it's important also, as we go through these things, and I certainly do not have time to get into this this morning, and you should say, thank God. But it's also important to find out what it is that Jesus did in the earth as God in the flesh. And what it is that Jesus did in the earth as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Once we see the reality of that, then we can start to understand. See, people believe that Jesus died on the cross as God in the flesh. That's not true at all. Jesus died on the cross as a man. It would be unjust and unfair if God came to die on the cross. It had to be a man. It had to be a human who was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, was tempted in all points as we were tempted but didn't sin. It couldn't just be God coming and doing it. That would have been a violation of God's initial purpose, an initial plan an initial command. He said let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let man have dominion here on planet earth. I am going to create this thing and I'm going to hand it over to the control and domination of humanity and so this fall in Adam gave the authority of the earth. The little g God of this world came onto the scene, took the authority from man so in order to get this back God had to send a man. That's why it says that in the volumes of books it has been recorded of me that you would give me a body so I could do your will. That he could come in the likeness of man, Paul said, and be a man. Though he was equal with God, he thought it not robbery to be such. He came in the likeness of sinful man and he died because God put upon him sin. He put upon Jesus the sin of Of all the world and literally speaking biblically speaking people don't like the Roman soldiers because they crucified Jesus and they don't like the Jewish people because they betrayed him but uh, realistically the Bible says that God put our sin on Jesus and if Jesus had not been touched with the sin nature he'd still be hanging on the cross today thinking this is kind of a waste of your time isn't it why because the Bible says in the very beginning of the book God said in Eden, do not eat of this fruit. Don't eat of the fruit of this tree. If you do in that day, you will surely die. Right? Well, Jesus never entered into that sinful nature. He was born during the time of the law, but he was born outside of the law. He wasn't bound by the law. Paul said he was born under, and that means the time frame, the rule of the law. But he didn't he didn't function. And people say, "Well, you're telling me that Jesus didn't keep the law?" Of course I'm telling you that Jesus didn't keep the law. All through the gospels, he broke the sabbath constantly, and it ticked people off without no end. They were absolutely irritated. This is what he did according to the word. Amen. And so we share in his status. In God's eyes we share in his nature in God's eyes we really do we share in his possessions in God's eyes we share in his destiny in the eyes of God it's so important for us to understand turn over to Philippians chapter 3 if you would you guys doing okay so far what does this have anything to do with identity only everything (laughs) imagine if you would a great, 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 great religious leader who is excelled in his religion he's the greatest mind on earth at the time he is according to his own hand he's a Pharisee among pharisees he 's a step at least above, maybe even more. Than a step, One of the most educated people that there is, Gamaliel himself taught him. He was the highest teacher of the law, and this person got the greatest degree, as it were, from the greatest university of his time. He was well-spoken in many different languages. He was blameless concerning five books of the Bible. He could quote any of them at any time, and one day he came to himself. That man was Saul of Tarsus. And Jesus met him on the way. And in one moment, Paul says here in Philippians, I took the diplomas from the greatest university. I took my pedigree, born out of the tribe and of the stock and circumcised the eighth day and blameless and a Pharisee among the Pharisees. I took all that stuff and I said, it's rubbish and dung it's garbage. What are you talking about? Well, it pales in comparison. Sitting under Gamma Meal, sitting under the, the great teacher, sitting under the, the rudiments of the law and knowing it without any single shift, just blameless. Could quote it perfectly. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and not only gain Christ, but be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but which comes through faith, that righteousness which comes through faith, the righteousness that only can come by God through faith. He says, I take all this stuff and I count it as loss. I count it as rubbish. I count it as nothing in comparison when I contrast the excellence of the knowledge of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, who Jesus is in me the whole entire idea of the new testament is whether or not a man person gender neutral is in christ or not and paul uses this term in other epistles but primarily paul 134 to 145 different times we see the writing in the epistles in him in whom in christ this whole the crux of christianity and your standing with god is are you in christ or are you not yet born again But why? What's the purpose? And to what avail? So we can walk into this situation sharing the status that we have with Him. Amen? It's important for us to understand that in the eyes of God, according to the human aspect of Jesus Christ, the angels and even demons in hell pay attention to you. You need to know this. It's not because you're super spiritual. It's because they know that greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. They know it. They know that's true. They know it's a reality. And so what happens is as soon as you come into confrontation with some kind of demonic situation, then you sit, there's no, there's no, it's real simple. You just say this, shut up and leave in Jesus name. You know, if I had to climb to a high place to cast a stronghold down, I'd be messed up. I wouldn't be able to climb to a high place. My back hurts. What do I have to do? I stand right here on planet Earth, terra firma, the Earth. And I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you come down. You get out. I'm not going to go chasing you around. That's not my job. I don't have to go chase you. You have to obey the voice of the Word of God on the inside of me. The Bible says that angels, according to the Word of God, angels hearken unto the voice of God's Word. Well, if I'm speaking the voice of God's word, demons also are angels, by the way, and they also have to hearken to the voice of God's word. So when I say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, shut your mouth and be gone, they must obey me. Why? Not because I'm awesome, but because I have a status because I'm in Christ. So the powers of darkness Even though there have been authors who have written these, and they're fictional books, but these people believe that these angels have these humongous wings that just cover a whole region. And I'm thinking, have you read the Bible? There was a thousand demons and one man. They're not as powerful as you think that you They have fallen from their stance. They've lost their status. They don't have the ability and the authority to mess around with you unless you entertain them. By the way, the Bible says in Romans that we do entertain angels unaware, both fallen and not. They hearken unto the voice of God's word. I have the, the same status in the eyes of God, and I have the same status in the eyes of the spiritual realm that Jesus has. No one ever back Jesus. He told him, shut up and get out. Right. Right. Jesus didn't sit down on the couch and roll through the psyche and try to figure out at what time did you come in here, and what have you been doing since you got in, and how long is it going to take you these processes of deliverance? Where is that in the scripture? Right. That is Unbiblical. A process of deliverance? How about this process? Get out. In Jesus' name. Four steps. Just a four-step process. We've made this whole theology out of Jesus asking, who are you? What's your name? So now all of a sudden we've got to do this whole thing where we interview and we find out, what what, what kind of music do you like? (laughs) What, What climate do you prefer? No, get out. Be still, shut your mouth, leave, go, in the name of Jesus. I have the same status as Jesus does. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. And then he says, Now you go therefore. What is there for me? Because I've been given all authority in heaven and earth and underneath the earth. So therefore you go in that same authority. I've deputized you, commissioned you, I've shared my status with you. No, Jesus said, I give you all the power over all of the ability. And no thing shall by any means harm you. See, this sounds like a stance of dominance. I'm, I'm sharing a status with Jesus. Not because of anything that I have done, but because what he has done. This is a stance of dominating authority over all of the ability of the enemy. Jesus said, I give you all power, that word power means exousia, it means authority, I give you all authority over all of the ability of the enemy, and no thing shall by enemy, you can tread on serpents, if you take up anything harmful or deadly, he told them in another place, it's not going to hurt you, it's not going to hurt you. Why? Because we're sharing status. Amen? And the best thing that I can say to you today is it's not someday when you get to heaven. It's right now the moment that you receive Jesus Christ. You can be three years old. Understand in your heart Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on the cross for the sin of the world. I want to be forgiven. I want Jesus. In that moment, that child of God can put all of the demons in hell on the run. Why? Because he shares the same status as Jesus. Jesus has been exalted. God has conferred upon Jesus the name that's above every name. And then he gave it, Jesus gave it to us as an inheritance. You're a son of God. You're an heir of God, Romans 8 says. You're an heir of God and you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Whatever I have is yours. You own it just like I do. It belongs to you. Theology, the doctrine of salvation is a whole lot more than just getting your spirit not to go to hell. Amen. These things are packed in to our salvation. Amen. And it's there's no human philosophy, there's no humanitarian work, there's no school of thought or other religion that can even come close because in the moment that a person receives Jesus Christ, they could have been from the wrong side of the tracks in the wrong family and the wrong color and the wrong shape and the wrong size and the wrong this and the wrong that. But the moment that someone receives Jesus Christianity dignifies a human being immediately. Puts the dignity back into humanity and says, you are no longer fallen. You are no longer worthless. You are no longer a loser. You are no longer stupid. You are no longer out. You are no longer not picked. You are no longer not loved. You are in this moment right now, a son or a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Christianity is the only religion that puts the dignity back into humanity. Amen? Amen. Again, we share Christ's nature. When we share the status of Jesus Christ, then that tells us who we are in God's eyes. How God looks at you and I. How God views you and I. When we share the nature of Jesus Christ, That reveals to us what we are. What we are. Is Jesus a child of God? Have you received Jesus? Then you must also be a child of God. Are you any lower than Jesus' status as a child of God? No, why? Because Jesus was a man born of a virgin. 100%. Right? Is Jesus accepted by God in his presence? then so are you accepted by God in his presence if you've received Jesus, if you've been united with him. See, the devil says, oh, you sinned last night. You went here, said that, did this. Don't go to church. And God says, oh, you sinned last night. Come here, I just want to love on you. Oh, you made a mistake last night. You shouldn't have done that or said that. That's all right, come on. It's okay. Why? Because no matter what it is that we do, God's never going to stop accepting us because our acceptance to God isn't based on us. It's based on Him. Amen. Now, approval is a whole different thing. Blessing, promotion, increase, that's a whole different ballgame. That's, that's on how we act and how well, now listen to me, it's not works, but it's how well we honor the Word. and our, our faith is in action. James said this, without faith your works are dead without works your faith is dead and then he says it again he just repeats the same thing listen some people say i have great faith and they have no works but then he says but i have faith let me show you my faith i'll i'll work the works of him who sent me to show you that i have great faith amen Amen. whatever jesus is in the eyes of god we are in the eyes of god It's interesting to see that Jesus is powerful and he's glorious and he's according to the word of God perfect and he's eternal and he's successful and he's beloved and he's accomplished and he's established and he's healed and he's whole and he's complete and so am I. The only reason that Jesus was not healed and not complete and not whole is because he took upon himself the sin of mankind. No human being who's ever lived on planet Earth has ever executed more faith in God than Jesus Christ. No human being, human being, I'm going to say that one more time, human being, Jesus was 100% human. 100% God. No human being in the history of the world Has ever demonstrated or executed more faith in the words that God has spoken than Jesus Christ? Jesus was in perfect fellowship and in perfect right standing and in perfect union enjoying in, in heaven a perfect relationship with his father. And God approached him before the foundations of the world, the pillars were hewned and established. God came to Jesus and said, mankind is going to fall and they're going to need a redeemer. And I'm going to now take that sin that Adam brought into the world, which also brought death. And I'm going to put it on you totally. I'm going to cause you to become sin." Everything that entered into the human race as a result of sin, which would be sickness and disease and discouragement and worry and fret and fear and lack of every kind in poverty and hunger in AIDS and cancer and diabetes and lupus in arthritis and Everything that entered into humanity as a result of Adam's sin, I'm going to put it all upon you. You will now become the total sum of the fallen man. And then when I do that, I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to send you to hell and make you pay for all of the sin that everybody else committed. And Jesus said, right right, right. He said, but don't, now listen, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, because <laughs> Paul said it this way. He was offered because of our offense, but the moment that we were justified, he was raised to newness of life. So he said, don't, don't worry. The moment that the payment Is given I'll bring it back up and so Jesus said all right I'll do that but let's not forget the cross Jesus is hanging there on the cross he's been whipped he's been beat he's been punched he's been slapped he's had his hair ripped out of his face he's had a thorn inch and a half to three inches driven into his skull he's been mocked he's been tied up and he's been treated worse than a beast the bible says that a righteous man would tend to their beast not beat a beast tend to it care for it treated worse than an animal and all the time jesus like all right you said this would happen And that's not even the worst part, by the way, because in that moment while he was being scourged, while the cat of nine tails was wrapping around his body and that professional executioner twisted the handle and ripped out chunks of flesh, all that time he was still in fellowship with God. Something happened, though, through the course of of what the Catholics call the passion, there's this thing that actually takes place, and it's the transference of all of my guilt. All my shame, so I don't have to have shame in guilt, even if I really blew it. All my sin. Everything that the devil had planned for human beings for destruction, to steal and to kill and to destroy. There's a moment in this crucifixion where God puts upon him the sin of us all. And in that moment, the Bible says, in a three-hour span, the earth went dark. (laughs) And in that moment, Jesus was, for the first time, separated his fellowship was broken and then he cried out my God why have you forsaken me he gets worse now out of fellowship he has to go to hell now out of fellowship now for the first time in eternity Jesus has tasted the sinful nature it was never put into him now he has taken this sinful nature and now because of the sinful nature, that's why the Bible says this in Romans chapter 6, the wages of your sin is death. The Bible says in Hebrews, if there's no shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sin. God says blood is the only way to pay for any sin. And so he now is in a condition of spiritual death. If he would have been in that condition before, he would have died before, but he wasn't. And in that moment, the earth went Dark. The sun shut up its light. And he yelled, Why are you forsaking me? (laughs) Then it came that he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The payment, the chastisement for my peace was upon him. Had nothing to do with him. He tasted the sin of every person, every human. God caused him to be sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said God made him sin. God caused him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, for the first time in existence, Jesus is the only pre-existent one. God never started and he'll never end. Amen. The blameless, the holy, the perfect, the righteous, now paying the price for me. The unholy, the unrighteous, the imperfect. And according to the word of God, he goes to hell. Apart from God, broken in fellowship. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about Jesus is the greatest exercise of a human having faith in God's word that's ever existed. Because he knows that no one can come after him and do it. Why? Because from the foundation of the world, he would be the lamb that would be slain. In other words, if this doesn't work, I'm here forever. No one can come after me and do it. It had to be me. It had to be this time. It had to be this moment. It had to be that woman. It had to be this city. It had to be that I went to Egypt. It had to be. For the foundation of the world. So now, if this doesn't work, there's no way out for me. And he said in Gethsemane, let this cup pass from my lips. If you would let this pass from me. I think that was just a statement. Because he knew it couldn't. He knew it wouldn't. Apologetics, Jesus created apologetics. He's the greatest scholar that ever existed. Why? Because he is the living, eternal word. (laughs) The word became flesh. So Jesus, in absolute confidence in the authority and the ability of God's word, said, I'll do it the Bible says that in that moment he gave up the ghost he died it was fulfilled in a prophecy about him that his bones wouldn't be broken see they were coming around to whack the kneecaps of the people because they would push themselves up and not suffocate and so we've got to move this process along because we're going into a Passover so they said take a sledge whack their bones so they will die faster because we've got to get this thing done with so we can go into our holy day. <laughs> crucified the Lord of glory, Peter said, with wicked hands you've crucified the Lord of glory. And when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they took the spear and they thrust it into his side, and the blood had begun to break apart already. He was already passed. And water came out and blood came out because of the separation of the blood. But, they took his body. They lay his body with the rich at his death. But his spirit went, according to the word of God, into hell. Why am I saying this? Because I'm talking about the faith that he had in just the simple spoken word of God. In the moment that the scales of eternity were forever balanced, God said, Oh, death. Where is your sting? <laughs> oh hell, where is your victory? Ooh. By the power of the Holy Spirit God raised Jesus from the dead and he was the firstborn according to Colossians of many brethren. You and I are part of that brethren. Amen. Amen. God in Jesus rebooted Eden. And Paul says the second Adam won't fail like the first Adam did. But there'll never come another because there'll never be a need for another. Amen. Amen? He did this so you and I could take of his nature, take of his status. We share in his possessions. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says that God has done these things in these last days. He's spoken to us through his Son and made him, appointed him, caused him to become heir over all things. And by him all things were made. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Romans 8, 16 and 17, we're the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs With Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks of the unsearchable riches in Christ. Amen. We have not just spiritual provision, but natural provision as well. Amen. We're as cared for, provided for, and as rich as he is right now, today. One author said, you're the richest person that you know. You're the richest person that you know. God has put your name and my name right next to Christ on the title deed of the universe, on the title deed of the earth, and said, here you go. You own it. It's yours. Have dominion over it. Now, because Adam messed it up, I've got to destroy this guy for, forever, but we'll just make a new one. <laughs> we'll just make a brand new one. Amen. We share in his destiny. If you were to go downtown today, get on a train, get a ticket, sit down, the conductor punches your ticket or slides it or scans it, and you sit down, and the the wheels start rolling. About two, three minutes into the whole thing, you say, wait a minute, I want this to go a different way. They say, there's no steering wheel on this thing, bro. This destination has been pre-established. This train's headed from here to there. And if you don't want to go there, just get on a different train and go someplace else. But the the destination is already set. See, so Christians think that they actually have a wheel for Jesus to take. Honey, you don't have a wheel. Where's your wheel didn't you know that you died and your life is now hidden in God, in Christ? Oh, by the way, your life is not your own. You've been bought at a great price, so glorify God with your body and in your spirit because they both belong to you. God Belong to God. He owns us. He purchased us. If I were to go downtown and say, hey, you know what, I want an elephant ear and I want some french fries and I want a cold lemonade, I would take currency out of my pocket, and I would redeem those things with my currency. I would purchase them. They would be mine. I would take them. I own them now. I redeemed it from the one who owned it. I bought it, and now it belongs to me. God's already established your destiny. People are like, I just want to know what my destiny is. Well, look at Jesus. Jesus is heir of all things, so are you. Amen. You're a son of God or a daughter of God. You're an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Right. You sit above principalities and powers. And de- By the way, climb into a high place, you've got to take that scripture right out of the book. It's not, it can't even work. Why? Because I already am seated in Christ above. Yes. They're down here. Right. Not up there. The devil has way less power than most people think he does. Right. Way less ability. And by the way, he cannot function on this earth in your life any longer without permission. Because you've been redeemed from the fall. So he cannot just do whatever he wants to. He doesn't get to. Why? Because he doesn't own you anymore. Because Jesus, the whole elephant ear analogy, Jesus came in with his blood and said, I'm going to go ahead and take that back from you and I'm going to pay this. And now you can never touch them again. You have no part or parcel. You can't say anything about this. Why? Because I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so the redeemed, of the Lord, should say that they are. I've been redeemed. You can't have no power over me. You can't have no ability over me. I give you no place. Make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for lust, for passions, for desires. Why? Because the enemy can only get to me in my soul or in my flesh. Locked down in here is locked down. Locked down. Forever settled, forever Forever established. I don't believe in eternal security, but I think it is a whole lot harder to get out than it is to get in. So again, this train, it, it doesn't have a steering wheel. You don't even have a wheel anymore. You already gave that up. You're destined for greatness, every one of you. You're destined for life. You're destined for power. You're destined for God. You... God's, as the video was saying, you are God's prized possession. You are now the royal priesthood. You are now a holy nation. You are now a son or a daughter of God. You have a destiny and it is established and it is sure. Amen? Amen. And God said, I'll put the Holy Ghost in your heart. In your spirit. And that's the earnest. I promise. I won't break my promise. Amen? the destiny Jesus has cleared the way for you and I to walk on the path to heaven Jesus has cleared the way and again I'm going where he's going I'm receiving what he's receiving I'm experiencing what he's experiencing Amen. Jesus is going to have a throne in heaven well of course he is well how do you know because the Bible told me so Well, where are you going to be? Seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Well, how do you know that? Because Ephesians 2 tells me so, and Ephesians 3 tells me so, and Ephesians 1 tells me so. The Bible told me so. I still think the B-I-B-L-E should be the book for me. Amen. I'm one of those weirdos. I'm seated in him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and dominion and might, and every creepy thing that creeps. Why I have dominion over it. That's what Genesis chapter 1 says. Amen. Praise the Lord. Paul says this to the church in Colossae. I'm almost done with this. He said, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. My destiny, your destiny, the three-year-old that we talked about in that analogy, who's born again, that that three-year-old's destiny. Appearing in glory with Christ. Not because anything, what could the three year old child do except for just have simple, basic faith? I, I believe, faith? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. See, it's important that we understand our identity because Jesus paid a whole lot to give it to you. I'll say that again because it's important. We really need to get this down because Jesus paid an awfully great price. God paid an awfully great price to be able to give it to you. So the next time you say, I'm stupid, and I'm a loser, and I can't, and I won't, and I'll never, and I'm not going to, you need to like, grab the elephant ear, slap yourself, and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Amen? That garbage is gone. That's buried. That's forgotten. That's dead. It's crucified. It's buried. It's done. You erased a newness of life. Those, uh, those sins aren't attached to your spirit anymore. You're brand new. Something that's never been before was created. Amen? Amen. Pure and holy. John says, this is one thing I know. When we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. What, I'm going to be like him? Yeah. Yeah, why? Because we share in his status. We share in his nature. We share in his possessions. We share in his destiny. We're just like him. He recreated us in Christ for the good works that God foreordained or pre-planned that we should walk in. Amen. That's what Ephesians says. The Bible says that we'll be given a crown. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, now finally I'm being poured out as a drink sacrifice. I've, I've fought the good faith. I've run the race. I've finished my course. And he says, the Lord himself is going to give me a crown on that day. But not just me, all of those who have loved his appearing. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, I don't have to be as good as Paul. Why? Because I'm like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus trumps Paul. People always talk about the wonderful things that these people did. I said, you have the same holy... Because this is what it comes down to. Boy, I just want to have the anointing of Smith Wigglesworth. I just want to have the anointing of, of Dad Hagen. Boy, I wish I could just have the anointing of Benny Hinn. Uh, honey, you got the anointing of Jesus Christ. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is dwelling in you. You want John G. Lake's anointing? Well, he had Jesus' anointing too. The Bible is important. I just want to be like brother so-and-so. Why? No disrespect. These people, John G. Lake and Dad Hagen and Smith Wigglesworth, and I can name you people, I can never even hear that guy. These are great people that really serve God and love God. I mean, Paul would definitely be on that list, right? But the Bible tells us that Jesus gave him, them, his spirit, his anointing. The Bible says in 1 John, you are anointed and have received the anointing of the Holy One. Me, you, us I don't want the anointing of another man. I already possessed the anointing of Jesus. Now it's time for me to realize it. Thanking for it and begin to release it in my life and then the lives of others People say well, you have a you have a deliverance ministry. Uh, Did Jesus? Okay, then. Yes, I do (laughs) Do you have a healing ministry? Let me think about that. Did Jesus have a healing ministry? Yeah, he did Okay, so do I then why because i'm just doing the ministry of jesus who by the way was just doing the ministry of the father And i'm doing the ministry of jesus Which by the way is the ministry of the father with the same power that Jesus did it, I'm just a man, you're just a man, we're just men and women who've what, been anointed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That's just me and you, that's where we live, that's where we eat. Jesus didn't work miracles as God in the flesh, Jesus worked miracles as a man. Jesus told us, you go do the same things I've done, you go do them. That would be unfair. None of you in this place are God. I checked. I'm not God. I checked. So if God says, do the things I did, and he did them as God, I'm like, I'm out. I can't. How do I do that? But he didn't say that, and he didn't do them as God in the flesh. He did them as a man who was attested and approved of God, Peter says, with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he worked signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. How God anointed Jesus, Luke says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Amen. The lies of the enemy will create inside of you a self fulfilled prophecy. If all you say about yourself is, I'm stupid, 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 stupid," and then eventually you're going to do something that's stupid. Because I have the wisdom of God, of him I am in Christ who's made unto me wisdom and sanctification and redemption. I have the mind of God. I have the mind of Christ. The creative power of God is working in my brain. I don't have the mommy mush brain. I don't have the burnout brain. I don't have the trash brain. I have the mind of Christ. He's renewed my mind. Amen. By the washing and regeneration of the Spirit and the word of God, my mind is renewed. My spirit has been restored and right standing with God. I can remember. I can recall. I can declare why because the power of the living christ is working on the inside of you and it's thrilling your body the bible says that we should pray in the holy ghost because that power of the holy spirit quickens our mortal bodies quickens our mortal bodies I have strength, I have recall, I have memory, I have comprehension, I have retention, I have strength, I have peace, I have joy, I have provision. Why? Because I'm hooked up to Jesus and Jesus does. There's no deficiencies in him. Why? Because we're complete in him who is above all. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. He says that we are complete in him. We're complete in him. Think about that. Is there something in your life, something about you, some insecurity, some inconsistency that that is just, "Ah, if I could just change this one thing, not what the number on the scale says, or how your body looks in this outfit or that clothing. Or I wish I could have blue eyes or blonde hair. But something about the real you. That you would look at it and you'd say, well, that's, that, that's incomplete. That's broken. That's flawed. Maybe it's how you view yourself. Maybe it's how you view others. Maybe you've listened to the lie. Swallowed the pill, believed the lie i have good news for you today the bible says in colossians chapter 2 verse 9 for in him jesus dwells all the fullness of god bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power the fullness of the godhead dwells in christ where do i dwell Am I in Christ? Then, by nature of my union with him, all of the fullness of the Godhead dwells on the inside of me. God has made his permanent residence in me. Peter says it this way, that we have been being built by God into a spiritual edifice that we would be able to make, to offer, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. God's on the inside of you and I and he's building us into a house. Amen. So that thing that you're thinking about that feels incomplete, that feels inconsistent, that one thing, man, if I could just change this one thing. Well, it can change and it has to change because of your new nature. I said it can change, it has to change because of your new life. All those things that happened to you before you were born again, they're all gone. God's just waiting for you to catch up with him and forget about it. I said, they're all gone. God's just waiting on you. Hey, hey child, come on up here. Just forget about all that stuff. I did. (laughs) The abuses, God hasn't forgotten about those. He comforts you. He's the god of all comfort he's the father of all mercy and the god of all comfort and he comforts us so that way we can comfort others with the comfort wherewith we've been comforted so he doesn't forget about the abuses he doesn't forget about the mistreatings but he forgets about your failures your missteps your sins your inconsistencies he just remembers them no more and then he says why don't you do the same thing just just let it go so if some failure, some sin, some mistake causes you to feel like you're something other than you are, then it's time today to just lay it down. Well, What does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means in your mind take it to the foot of the cross, sit it down before God and say, Jesus, I feel this way about myself. I feel like as a husband I'm basically worthless as a father I'm basically as a mother as a wife I feel like as of this or as of that I'm basically helpless and worthless and I feel like I can't do anything right and anytime I try to get ahead it seems like I always fall back five six seven steps because this thing keeps limiting me and this thing keeps holding me back and this thing keeps tripping me up so just take it to Jesus and say I'm not this thing this event this failure this sin doesn't define me Jesus defines me he says that I've been given a new name Isaiah 62 too. I'll give you a new name from the very mouth of God God defines you as his own <laughs> think about it Romans 5 even while we were still sinners Christ died for us how do I do it pastor Jesus I lay it down and then make the decision to walk away from it don't use it as a crutch anymore and don't use it as an excuse anymore and don't believe it about yourself anymore and don't hold on to it and pet it and stroke it like it's a pet and you love it and want to be near it anymore let it go leave it alone don't let it fester don't let it live. Kill it. Nail it to the cross. And walk out. Free of it. Amen? That one thing. You're not Now listen, the Bible says you are complete. Well, I don't know that I believe that. Well, the Bible doesn't really care if you believe it. It's still truth. It stands alone. It doesn't need you to add your belief to it to make it authoritative. Amen? Now, Father, I thank you for ministering to those who are here today in the sanctuary, those who may be ministering, viewing this sermon over the Internet. Thank you that the Holy Spirit has encouraged and strengthened us. Thank you that the words and word of God have encouraged and strengthened us. Thank you that we've covered a lot of ground in this sermon series. But, Lord, I believe that there's been a healing that you've wanted to have take place, and you've used this as a vehicle to bring it to us. Just to think of ourselves as we should. To view ourselves as we should. To know who we are. To know whose we are. And to know then what it is that we can do. Thank you that you constantly reveal it to us. And Lord, I'm reminded of Paul telling the church in Corinth, from hereafter, know no man after the flesh. Don't talk about their temper. Don't talk about their attitude. Don't talk about their anger. Don't talk about their issues. Don't know people after the flesh, but know them after the Spirit. Child of God, the righteousness of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.